Welcome back to the Early Weigh-In Podcast. This Saturday, UFC 293, we head down to Sydney, Australia. In our main event, now two-time middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya, looking to make another defense of the strap against everyone's favorite man, Sean Strickland. Uh, And in the co-main event, not a title fight, but hopefully an exciting heavyweight showdown. We got hometown crowd favorite, the man in our intro, the guy who made the Shuey famous, tied to Avasa, takes on Alexander Volkov. Uh, it's a total of 12 fights going down. We'll touch on all of them, giving out any of our you know best bets, better picks on the card. So please do us a favor, quickly like the video, sub to the channel if you haven't before. As far as last week went, but much better night than the week before uh, for us. I kind of kind of went out on my shield on the Tiago Moises fight, uh, but still managed you know to have a nice little night. Uh, I think almost a combined six unit night for the podcast. Go ahead and let you recap some of the bets and how we finished up. Um, yeah, so like you talked about the Tiago Moises fight, it was a spot that you felt really good about and you attacked it hard and you still managed to come out on top, even though that one missed. I think that's pretty impressive, man. We'll look down at your straight picks first. Uh, you went five and one on your straight picks. You had to lay a lot of juice that card, which um, is tough to do um, mm-hmm. with with any card. But if, if it's the play, it's the play. Uh, you ended up putting two units on Cyril Gone. One and a half units on Manon Firo, Vulcan Uzdemir, Angelusa for two units, and Farad Basharat. And I think all of them had pretty, you know, all of them covered their price tag as far as I'm concerned. Um, the only slip up on your card was the Tiago Moises at Dog Money. The fight starts round three and Moises by decision. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You missed it by like four set, you know, yeah. under 10 seconds, something like that. Um, it was an absolute barn burner from the jump. And, I, you know, I don't know. I think Benoit St. Denis kind of proven that he belongs in that upper echelon of the division. He does, man. He's been looking good in his last few fights. Overall, an excellent card, though. You ended up plus 1.73 units. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd take that any day of the week for sure. Looking over at my card, um, let's see. Uh, we had a lot of the same bets. There was a yeah. lot of overlap in our in our cards um, I was also on Vulcan Uzdemir and Angelusa. Um, I took two dog shots. Well, I took two shots, one on Colin Loughran against Taylor Lapalus. That one didn't look good. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish I wouldn't have made that bet, but I just, I, I, he got me hyped up with his uh, flipping <laughs> off the crowd and everything. I couldn't help it, man. Uh, Jocelyn Edwards versus Nora Canoli. I'm, I'm happy that I didn't put a little, I was going to put just a little bit more on Jocelyn Edwards to try and win back a full unit. And I guess I'm happy I didn't. I think that was an absolute robbery. Um, whenever they read the 30-27, I thought, okay, it's a for sure win for me. But um, that is what it is. And being in Paris and Nora being, uh, you know, from from France, it, it just seemed like that was – she is from France, right? Yeah. Yeah, her being from France, it just seemed like we were due one of those on the card. So it is what it is. I probably should have stayed away from the low-level women's. Um, Basharat by submission plus 340. He went in there and did his thing. And uh, then my biggest play of the night was fight starts round two in the Gon Spivak fight and BSD Moises fight. I was my I was sweating on yeah, the <laughs> Moises Saint Denis fight right off the bat. I had three units on that for uh, two and a half units. I ended up the night plus 4.04 units. And yeah, it's a good week for the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We'll start off the night in the welterweight division where we see Kevin Jusay versus Kiefer Crosby. Um, okay, so 
I think that Kevin Jusay is the better fighter out of these two guys. My issues with him is that he has been in some five round fights prior to this one. And I do think that if he hasn't shifted his mindset into a three round fight coming into this one, he could, he is subject to be low volume off the start. He could drop some rounds because Kiefer, when he comes in there, uh, he throws a lot harder punches he, he's trying to make the fight a little bit dirtier, but I do think that he's going to have um, similar issue, issues to uh, Coughlin last week against Taylor Lapolis, where closing that distance um, is going to be an issue for him. He is a little bit shorter. He throws wide hooks, so he needs to be in a little bit closer to land. And Kevin's really comfortable with sticking to the outside and just piecing him up. I worry about Kevin's movement, so I, I decided to lay off this fight. Um, Kevin will be the pick for me, though. Yeah, we see the fight, you know, pretty similar. First fight of the night, formerly first bet of the night. Sometimes I, I like to target that first fight in terms of violence or in terms of someone I think they're trying to showcase. And I think that's Kevin's you say here. I do have one, just one unit shot on him at minus 135. So a little bit of closing line value there. Fights out of city kickboxing, really good kickboxer on the feet. The guy's got a black belt in judo, does good work in the clinch. And I do think he's got the better gas tank and, in terms of how these guys match up skill for skill, I, I do kind of lean Kevin in most all areas. I think Crosby's going to give him that stand-up fight that he wants. He's a good boxer, but very front-loaded guy who likes to, you know, exhaust a lot of the energy earlier. I think he slows down late. He's got a three and four Bellator record. I told you how they've had a couple UFC events and, you know, in Paris, in London and things lately. And here they are making Kiefer fly to Australia. Um, to me, he seems like a guy they're not really trying to showcase too much, a guy that's kind of expendable to them. I think Kevin's just a little bit more versatile on the feet. Um, and at minus 135, I was willing to roll the dice on him for a unit. And then staying in well, men's featherweight, Shane Young taking on Gabriel Miranda. Miranda, to me, also similar to Kiefer Crosby, seems like a guy that the UFC just is expendable, a guy that they don't really care too much for. You know, they flew him out to Paris to fight Benoit Saint-Denis after he took that debut ass beating to get him back on track. And here we have Shane Young on a three-fight skid. Gabriel Miranda made to fly over to Australia to try to get him back on track. And I personally just don't – I don't think it's as easy as it looks on paper. You know, to me, Shane Young is is a fade. To me, Shane Young is somebody I would never personally lay juice on. I think he's tough. I think he's durable. But I don't think he really excels anywhere. I don't think he's that great of a fighter. Um, I think the fight is largely going to play out on the feet. I think Miranda's going to have that size and length. I think he has a little bit of a speed advantage too. And I do think he's the better striker. I think he's going to throw more volume, and I think he's more dangerous with his submission attempts. We've got an underdog here who's, I think, only been finished once and finished all 16 of his wins. Gabriel Miranda's potentially going to be my underdog of the week, and I'm just kind of monitoring that line, man. How do you feel about this one? I don't hate that read at all. I think Shane Young's somebody that the UFC wishes they could prop up, but they're just struggling to give him winnable fights, you know? At the end of the day, he you know, leaves himself open for counters. He doesn't really have a well-rounded game. And against somebody like Gabriel Miranda, I do think that he's the far more dangerous of the two. Um, Now, something that I do, that I could see Miranda getting into trouble is if his early offense doesn't find success, he does kind of leave himself open. And Shane brings that type of pressure that I do think he could melt him later on in the rounds. 
ultimately, I think both guys have a lot of finishing upside, which is why I'm looking at this fight at the under two and a half minus 130. I think that that's a decent spot. And then being featherweight is a little concerning. That's not a weight class that you get a lot of finishes. But yeah. I do think that <clears throat> I love the fact that we're almost getting um, close to even money for the under where I see both guys having finishing upside. Yeah. <clears throat> so might be how I look to attack this fight. I don't hate the dog shot on Gabriel Miranda. And like you said, it's it'd be impossible to play Shane Young at favorite odds, although I will pick him to win. I'm just not really convinced that Gabriel Miranda's um, offensive dangers are good enough to finish somebody in the UFC. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how this one plays out for sure. But I do think that this is an excellent matchup. And I wish that this one was to start off the card instead of the Juice Crosby mm-hmm. fight. Yeah, um, Shane Young will be my pick for the for the sake of this one. Uh, for our next fight, we go back up to welterweight. <laughs> Blood Diamond taking on uh, Chuck Buffalo, Charlie yeah. Radke. <laughs> um, I don't know. Blood Diamond, he's on a two, uh, two, a tough two-fight run um, with Jeremiah Wells and the Kosi brother. Both of those guys, strong wrestlers. Um that being said, Blood Diamond has looked decent defending a lot of those takedowns. It's just eventually they, they start to catch up to him. Um, I think that this is another guy that the UFC really, really wants to get a win for, you know? Um, him sitting at, at plus 250 and the line continuing to move, it's hard to understand. Like, I did watch some of the tape on Charlie, and, um, he, you know, whenever he does get the takedown, he's good at transitioning to subs and uh, keeping that control using submissions as sweeps. If he does get, if he does find himself on the back. Um, But if you force him to work, he will gas in the later rounds. And if this fight stays on the feet, I think blood diamonds got a significant edge. So uh, reluctantly I'm picking blood diamond um, as the dog here. He, I think he's my first dog pick of the night. And uh, like I said, I think he has the advantage on the feet. I, I am. Um, I'm not too confident that Charlie has the wrestling to get him and keep him on the mat uh, over the course of 15 minutes. Yeah, man. Uh, a, a ton of valid points for you. It's, it's when you see a guy at plus 200, something that does have an advantage in the fight. It was almost like my read on Sean O'Malley. You know, it's like he's plus 210 and he does have a path to victory here if this fight were to play out on the feet. So I do get it. Um, but at 35 years old, He's just a little, he's inexperienced in MMA, man. And, and to me, he's a little bit one dimensional um, and he doesn't really have the best gas tank. I do think eventually Charlie will wear on him. I think he's the, the better overall fighter. He's got decent stand up, but that, that clearly leads to the, the blood diamond having the more technical side there. Charlie might have the more power, I guess. I, I'm not counting out him being able to finish the fight on the feet, but I do expect him to try to mix in that ground game and find the submission at one point. Um, just, Again, I'm not, not really not really interested in laying the juice on Chuck Buffalo here. I, I think this is one kind of like the last fight where you see both guys with finishing upside. I, I like Blood Diamond's ability on the feet, and I think Charlie could get the finish on the mat. A little bit of juice, um, but at like minus 185, uh, I'm tempted to look at the under two and a half here as I do believe they've hit in both the Blood Diamond's fights so far. Then we move to the men's lightweight division. Nasret Hackparas taking on Landon Quinones. I don't really know or have too much to say on this one. You know, Nazareth was looking like a decent parlay piece, I guess, at like minus 400, and now he's like minus 600. 
Uh, it kind of forces your hand to look at a dog or pass situation and losing to Jason Knight, man, I think it does overshadow the fact that Landon does kind of have a well-rounded game. Landon, I don't, you know, if you run that fight back, I don't think he gets subbed in like a minute again, but I do think he kind of succumbed to the pressure, to the veteranness of Jason Knight, kind of starts slow. And I do think he's, you know, made to fly over here to Australia, a lot of weight on his shoulders. I'm just as, as good of a fighter as I think he could be. I think the moment could be too big for him here in his debut. Um, but not really interested in playing Nasra. He's a pretty much decision machine. And uh, I don't want to lay minus 600 on someone who's always going to decisions. So Nasrat's the pick, but uh, easy pass for me. I don't even think I have anything to add to that. Nasrat is, is the side for me. He's not, he doesn't have the finishing upside to throw him in a parlay. Yep. And uh, that's concerning if you're going to the judges at any point and he's a heavy mm-hmm. favorite. So I'm with you. Nasrat's the pick. Not a lot of conviction. He won't be on my card. <clears throat> Staying in the lightweight division, we see Jamie Malarkey taking on John McDessie. Um, Malarkey's four and four in the UFC. Uh, he's coming off a KO loss as a minus 400 favorite. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always, I've, I've been a little bit of a hater of Jamie Malarkey since he lost the Feroz Zium fight. Yeah. Uh, I can't get over that. And I, I just struggled to find. <clears throat> what he's really great at. Um, I look at how he how he fights, and he's definitely durable. He has great pressure. But I see all of his entries, and it got him caught in his last one. They're on a straight line. Everything that he does is on a straight line. And, um, you know, in all of his fights, it seems like he has the most success when he's able to make them extremely dirty. Um, he might have that opportunity against somebody in John McDessie who is a little bit smaller than him. John's mm-hmm. a little older. Um, is a primary striker. Um, but that being said, I think McDessie whoops his ass at range. Um, Jamie needs to find that clinch and just use his size to wear on him. Um, and, I, and so there is opportunities for Malarkey to drag this fight out, get a decision win. Um, I think that that's most likely, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if the experienced kickboxer finds a read on Jamie Malarkey's entries over the course of 15 minutes and uh, land something really, really nice. It's not that McDessie's really the uh, like a knockout artist by any means, mm-hmm. a true finisher, but he does have some sneaky strikes. He is an excellent kickboxer, and I do think that he could touch up Jamie if Jamie doesn't mix it up enough in this fight. Jamie's going to be the pick, but I will not be playing him. I got you. I, uh, I like my position on Jamie Malarkey this week. Um, I, I got in at minus 180. I just checked DraftKings. That's 100 points of closing line value. And so my job is done. Um, my my one concern when backing him here was he was like three months removed from that KO to Naimov. Um, but I still think he's the right side here. You talked about the size advantage. I think it's going to be useful in the clinch, pushing him up against the cage, landing a few takedowns. I think Jamie Malarkey's got the cardio edge. I think he's got the hometown crowd, everything behind him here. McDessie, I'm getting a 38-year-old fighter who's been off dealing with multiple surgeries, having to make the flight over to fight somebody in their hometown. That's sort of a position I like to be in as well, you know. And then to throw in the fact that he's sort of this low-volume striker, I will give him his props. I think he's more technical than Jamie Malarkey by a long shot. He's a very good counter-striker. 
but I, I don't really see his ability to finish Jamie Malarkey, and I don't like his low volume style to, to really win a decision against Malarkey in the, uh, you know, in Australia here. So I got 1.5 units on Malarkey at minus 180. Um, but I, I do hear where you're coming from. And I have McDessie's decision props at plus 325 written down as well. When I have a hundred points of closing line value on a, you know, on a fighter, sometimes I do look at some of those hedge opportunities. And if I get there, I, I do think McDessie's path to victory is a decision. And to get north of plus 300, plus 350, there might be some value hanging out on his decision prop for me to look at later on in the week. Then we move on. Uh, another hometown crowd favorite man, Jack Jenkins, taking on Chepe Mariscal at 145 pounds. I kind of talked about it a couple times. Mariscal's a fighter that I think the UFC doesn't care too much for. You know, he's a guy who's got a pretty good regional resume, one of the better ones out there. All of his losses come to UFC caliber level guys, and the UFC never brings them in. They don't put them on contender series. What do they do? They bring him in on short notice, make him fight up a weight class to one of their exciting fighters in Trevor Peak. You know, he opens as an underdog in that fight. And to me, the fight didn't go the way the UFC wanted. And, and now they're flying him out here to Australia. You know, it's a tough fight, a tough flight. He's got to go back down to 145, which is his natural weight class. But I think there's potential for – there's talk that Chepe Mariscal is a lot more durable at 155. I mean, he was taking some shots from Trevor Peak on the feet that I saw him not really be able to take at 145 on the regional scene. Um, I don't really see Chepe having the wrestling success that Jamal Emmers did. And for a fight that I think plays on on the feet, I like Jack's boxing. I love his calf kick. I like his durability. I like the crowd behind him. Um, Jack Jenkins is a, is a parlay leg for me this week. Wow. Have you already made that play? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not really sure how I feel about this fight, man. I think Chepe is somebody who gets overlooked because of his record. Like the UFC's not pulling him up because he was 13 and six before his yeah. last fight. You know, <laughs> it's tough to want that even on the UFC roster. That being said, he's a, he's a dog, man. Yeah. He's an absolute dog. He gets in there, he makes fights dirty. With Jack Jenkins, I think that he's getting a lot of praise for his uh, striking, and it's just the leg kicks make him look like a far more dangerous striker than he is, in my opinion. I think Chepe is somebody who's going to be able to take that damage and push forward and at least give Jack Jenkins some looks that he wasn't getting with Jamal Emmers in his last fight. I think that Chepe is going to force that pace. And we might get to see Jack's game rounded where he's not just able to sit back and chop at legs for 15 minutes. Um, I think that this is a really close fight. Chepe is actually somebody who I'm looking at as a dog. I want to look into the fight a little bit more, um, but I do love that pressure that he brings. And yeah, I don't think that he's the UFC's number one guy by any means. Um, but up a weight class, they tried to give Trevor Peak a win. And Chepe's a Chepe. Uh, mm -hmm. Had different plans, man. I think that this is another spot, like you said, where they might be bringing him in to get a win over Jack Jenkins. But I think that there's not, I don't think there's as many winnable fights for Jack Jenkins as a lot of people do yeah. um, in the UFC. So Chepe is, is my pick. Like I said, I might have to look into it a little bit more before I play him, but he's my underdog pick here. I like it. We move up to the light heavyweight division, Carlos Olberg taking on Da Un Jung. Um, this seems like a setup fight. Man, if there was anybody on this card that the UFC really wants to win, it's Carlos Olberg, man. He brings the eyes. Um, Good-looking dude. Great kickboxer. Trains at City Kickboxing. He's my girlfriend's favorite fighter. Uh, 
you know, I do think that this is clearly a setup fight for him. Although Dalun Jung, depending on how he wants to fight this fight, could make it really interesting. You know, right. um, there are a couple of uh, like outliers that affect this, but he is averaging over two takedowns per fight. If he decides that he wants to, you know, utilize all of his MMA uh, abilities, he could make this a little bit interesting by making Carlos work. Let's see how he does off his back, if he can defend takedowns. Um, but if he comes in there like he did the, uh, I think it was Dustin Jacoby fight. Yeah. The Dustin, yeah. The Dustin Jacoby fight and just stands in the middle and tries to bang. He's going to lose to this experienced kickboxer in Carlos Olberg. Um, Carlos Olberg is the play. I don't really love him at the odds that he's at, strictly because he doesn't have another path to victory. If it stays on the feet, he dogs him. But um, if it does get dirty, Carlos doesn't really have a plan B. So um, he'll be the pick, but I, I'm not playing him. Yeah, I won't be I won't be playing Carlos Olberg either. Um, and I, I could just be flat out wrong. I know his level of competition is nothing to ride home about lately. But I think... I think Carlos Olberg's starting to kind of figure things out a little bit, man. I really think he's, I think he's potential to be a threat at light heavyweight. You know, he's great size. He's extremely athletic. His kickboxing is on another level compared to some of these guys. And I think the issues will arise when he runs into a good wrestler, someone who's willing to negate that kickboxing or someone who's willing to kind of like Kennedy eat that damage and drag him into the deep waters. But I, I think there's just I think there's been clear improvements from Carlos Olberg in his past couple fights. And when I look at Jung, it's somebody that the UFC's maybe potentially given up on. You know, at one time this was, in my opinion, one of the ba- the better Asian talents on the roster, most definitely a light heavyweight. And now he's all you know, back to back fights. Dustin Jacoby is what it is. That's a tough one to swallow losing to Devin Clark, man. You know, that that's a bloated middleweight in our book. Not a good loss. Um, UFC just had a, a Singapore event two weeks ago, and they didn't put Jung on the card full of Asian talent. You know, they're making him go over here to fight Olberg in his hometown. To me, I think they've kind of given up on him. Um, but it is a massive step up for Olberg. Um, and you you pretty much touch on the same point. If this guy doesn't mix things up, if he comes and stands in there like he did with Jacoby, even like he did with Kennedy, you know, I know he finished Kennedy, but he stood right in front of him just slinging elbows. I think he's going to get lit up early. So it's a pass on the betting line, but I, I, I like Olberg to find the knockout in the first or second round probably. I got to touch on this. Junk's still only 29 years old, so there is, there is time for improvement, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll he'll definitely have to show us that if we were going to believe in him any time moving forward. So, yeah. yeah. Um, light heavyweight division for our next one. Uh, mm-hmm. Staying in the light heavyweight division, Tyson Pedro taking on Anton Chikali. Um Told you it's weird not seeing Tyson Pedro at minus 500 coming into a fight. And so I... I do get why people were betting Turkali at plus 125, but I think you're going to get a better number live than plus 125. I, I do think that Turkali loses round one at a very, very high clip here. And then I also think that you're now looking at a potentially buy low spot on Tyson Pedro. You know, I, I don't think Anton's the superior fighter here. Um, I mean, especially early on, I, I think his win condition relies on his durability, his ability to survive the early punishment, to steal back the second or third rounds, to come back and get the late finish. And 
Me personally, I want better than plus 125 when I'm back in that. I think I'm going to pick Tyson Pedro um, and go against the grain this week, man. Yeah, it's weird that that's even going against the grain. I look at this fight initially, and the fact that you're not getting two to one or more on uh, Pedro, this seems like a setup spot. I don't think they brought in the Swedish Anton Turkle or Anton <laughs> to uh, to ground Tyson Pedro in front of his home crowd. You know, I don't I don't think that. Anton is that good. And if he didn't have that name, I'm doubtful that he'd be on the UFC roster. I really do think that a lot of people just like him because he is a personality. But as far as the fight goes, yeah, he's undersized here. He's up against somebody who's in his hometown, who I think is a better striker. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not loving this at even money. I, I do like the Tyson Pedro side. I might find a spot on him if I can. Um, watch some of the lead up to this week, see where Tyson Pedro's head's at. Um, but Tyson Pedro is the pick for me as well. I, yeah. I, I don't even understand Anton at plus 125. I mean, I'd need like plus 175, plus 200 to even start looking that direction because uh, he surely hasn't shown me anything that I want to back so far in the UFC. I'm with you. I'm glad we see that the same. Moving up to the heavyweight division, Justin Taffa taking on Austin Lane. This is the only bet that Mm -hmm. I have so far on the card, Um, and it's Austin Lane at plus 196. I think think Taffa and the six-foot heavyweight era is over, man. You know, Taffa is somebody who I think um, only has one path to victory, and that's by getting a quick knockout. Uh, He can't grapple. He's missed the heavyweight limit before in the past. Like, you know that he's not, uh, in in my head, a dedicated mixed martial artist to be missing weight at heavyweight. Um, And, you know, you look at his record, he doesn't have any wins over legit heavyweight talent. You know, I don't think any of them are still in the UFC. And if they are, it's it's, uh, Harry Hunsucker. So, you know, I, I really don't think that that looks good at all. Austin Lane. He's also nobody to write home about, but he is way bigger. He's way more athletic. Um, And, you know, we only got 30 seconds of that last fight, but I thought he looked like he was moving really, really well in there. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, I do see this as kind of a a toss-up fight, and I'm getting two to one on Austin Lane. It was an easy decision for me. It's not something that I have a ton of conviction on, but I I do feel like this is – this is a pick em fight that we're getting plus money on, on one side. So, Yeah, and uh, my first kind of thing that I talked to you about before we started was if this betting line was any different the first time around. And I think we looked and Toph opened like minus 150 the first time and mm-hmm. minus 200-something this time. And what did, you, what did anybody see in the 30-second fight to change that, you know? And so I see where you're coming from, and I like it, man. Big size, uh, great athlete. Like you said, and we've seen Tafa get stuck at range against the bigger guys who are willing to just throw that volume in the Vandera fight, you know. So realistically, the fight probably is a pick 'em. I just don't know how much exposure I want on Austin Lane because in the pocket, boxing wise, I still do favor Justin Tafa. Um, if I have to pick who I favor in durability, uh, I do think I got to lean Justin Tafa there as well. Uh, but at, at your number, man, I think that's a great play. Um, I've actually talked to you about Austin Lane's decision prop at plus 900. I'm not counting out this going like the Vendera fight and and Tafa just getting stuck, not being able to close the distance, man. So I think you're on the right side. I would be, I would never lay two to one something on, on Justin Tafa. Um, 
I'll side with you in Austin Lane, but so far, pass for me. Uh, moving on to our feature bout of the evening, we got Manel Cop taking on Felipe Dos Santos. Cop is the second leg to my parlay with Jack Jenkins. Um, Cop can't really seem to catch a break here. You know, everybody's pulling out on him. Supposed to, I think he was supposed to fight Kai Car France here on Saturday. And in steps Felipe Dos Santos, the guy who was supposed to be on the contender series this year, I believe. The guy who's long for the division, classic shoot to box style, comes forward, forces a firefight. Um, and I do think that's where the defensive liabilities are going to get him in trouble with Manel Cop. I think Cop's too sharp. I think Cop's too technical. I think Cop is too fast. Um, I don't think Cop is going to get round one to download his information. I think Felipe is going to come out here and make this a fight. When I look down Cop's um, wins, it's like 15 of his 18 wins. He's finished inside the distance or something like that. Um, I do like violence here on Saturday, man. I'm, I'm tempted to hit the under two and a half as well. Uh, we see this fight the same and not the same at the same <laughs> time. I think Cop's the side, right? Like I do yeah. think that this is absolutely a spot where we're getting – a top 10 guy versus somebody who will likely never be ranked. Mm -hmm. Um, So this, this does seem like a smash spot. That being said, uh, we're talking about 125 pounders and Manuel cop. If he can, he doesn't mind slowing down that pace, getting those reads. Mm -hmm. And I've said this uh, plenty of times on the channel, uh, the Chepe Mariscal versus Trevor peak fight one being uh, one that sticks in my head. When you have somebody in Trevor peak who is undefeated up until a certain point, um we've never seen how they lose i like betting the decision prop for the favorite um you know most of the time when people will take their first l it's over the it's a beating it's a beat down yeah. and they have to reevaluate themselves and i just see that being uh the situation here where we're getting fight goes to the decision at plus 205 um i'm possibly looking at the manual cop by decision side i just seems like the, this seems like a fight where it's supposed to be a smash spot for the ufc and uh, we might just see the limitations of, of Felipe Dos Santos for the first time in his career um, at 7-0. So Manuel Cop's the side. I'm actually going on the over and uh, Manuel Cop by decision. But I do think that he's the clear winner here. So as far as your parlay is concerned, I think you're okay. Good stuff. <clears throat> Moving on to the co-main event. Um, <laughs> you know, you'd think that it'd be uh, another title fight or top five <laughs> guys, but neither one of these guys are even in the top five. It's number six yeah. and number seven, Tai Tuavasa versus Alexander Volkov. Um, at least they've littered this card um, with, he- you know, heavyweights and light heavyweights. I do think we're going to get a ton of action. Um, as far as this fight's concerned, I think Alexander Volkov is the much better fighter here. I think that if this stays, if he can fight a perfect fight, which I'm happy that he only has to do it for 15 minutes as opposed to 25. Yeah. But if he can use those, the length of his strikes to keep Tai Tuavasa at bay, the teep kicks, the, yeah. you know, everything. Tai Tuavasa struggles to get on the inside, but when he does, uh, he throws absolute bombs. We're talking about heavyweights here. So um, we've seen it in the past with Volkov and Derek Lewis. Tai Tuavasa, similar skill set to Derek Lewis, but Volkov at this point in his career is much bigger. He seems to have yeah. uh, really rounded out his game, and I don't see him getting just caught uh, by anybody here. So Alexander Volkov's the pick. I told you I thought about playing him at minus 205, but now the line's kind of gotten out of whack. Uh, I don't like the under here. <laughs> I don't really know how to attack this fight. Volkov's the side, um, but I – I don't know how to attack it. 
I'm yeah, with you, man. I don't have the best. I don't have the best read on this fight either because I can see it going a, a few different ways. Uh, Volkov for a guy, you know, you, you referenced the Derek Lewis one, but really historically, for being such a tall, long guy, he doesn't really have the case of tall man defense that you see. He's pretty good at keeping guys at range, using those teep kicks, like you like you said. He's a been a guy who's historically hard to hit clean. And the later this fight goes, I think he becomes incrementally even a more favorite, you know. Um, but I do know that when Tai Tuivasa wins a fight, he doesn't look like an underdog either, you know. Uh, nasty calf kick, huge power on the inside. But I'll be honest with you, I'm worried about Tai Tuivasa's durability, man. I really am. Finish finished badly in his last two fights. Like Cyril Gaon put an absolute ass whooping on him. And I know Sergey Pavlovich has pat like has real power, but dude, he got he got dropped and cut with a jab. You know, like I, I'm I'm really worried that maybe the chin's just not there for him anymore. I am likely going to have to sit this this co-main event out, uh, is or sit it out for me. But the clear side for me is Alexander Volkov. I I just don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna get that finish or if he's gonna be forced to be patient and play that range. And cash me a plus three eighty Volkov decision ticket. So, the more I think about it, man, I, I'm kind of with you on the over. I think Volkov could could win a decision at range here. And then we move on main event of the evening for the middleweight strap. We've got Israel Adesanya taking on Sean Strickland. It's another fight that's kind of hard to do to do much with. You got Izzy sitting north of minus six hundred on some books, and in a title fight, man, where you see two talented guys like this. Normally, I'm taking the plus 450 all day on the challenger. I I just don't know where the path to victory is for Sean. You know, um, I don't see him landing any takedowns here. And while the guy does have a ton of volume, can make any fight competitive on the scorecards, it's very basic volume. And I, I do think somebody with the kickboxing, um, the technicality, the credentials of Israel – I think he's going to get the timing down. I think he's got the lateral movement and and honestly just the potential to, to style on him and win a pretty clear decision here. So um, I, I don't know if Sean really has the power to steal around, you know, to sway a decision here in the judge's backyard. Part of me feels like they want the Drakus Duplessis fight so bad. They just kind of held out on Sean, you know, like kind of made this short notice, not really telling him if he was going to be able to get this fight or not. All things point to Izzy for me here, and um, I do think Sean's durable enough to to drag this late. I got Izzy by decision. Hmm. I think I think Izzy needs to make a statement here. I mean, as far as as far as I'm concerned, I'm sure he's motivated to get the finish here. Mm-hmm. Sean's giving him every reason in the world to get the finish. And as far as the how the fight plays out, yeah, I don't really see Sean having much of a an answer for the movement of Israel Adesanya. I think that he'll be able to chip away at him. Um, but eventually I do think that those calf kicks, the the prodding like jabs, they're all going to take a toll on Sean Strickland over five rounds. And Strickland doesn't have the ability to cut off the cage um, like Alex Pereira. There were plenty of times where Alex Pereira could get Israel Adesanya's back against the cage and kind of mm-hmm. have him stuck where he has to throw in a firefight. But let's say even Sean was able to, you know, do that. He doesn't have the power to really make Izzy pay for the times where he does get stuck with his back against the fence. So, yeah, I think that we're going to see a lot of Sean 
following around Israel Adesanya, but I do think that there's going to be a point, maybe maybe third round, where Sean's leg is so tore up um, that he's going to start having to expose himself to try and land any type of offense. And that's where we see Israel Adesanya do some of his best work with some of the counters that he has on, on entries. And by that time, Sean's going to be biting on feints so hard that I could see him, you know, fully extending out his arms, getting caught with a head kick or, you know, is Israel just kind of exposing him. Sean, Sean doesn't have the best mm-hmm. defense and uh, you know, we've seen him dropped in the past. It was somebody, I guess that, you know, had a little bit more KO mm-hmm. power than Israel Adesanya, but Izzy is precise with his punches. And I do think over the course of 25 minutes, he'll have the opportunity to finish Sean. Um, I'm looking at the Israel Adesanya by KO, but I might just lay off. I think there are better spots on the card, especially considering that Izzy's a minus 600. Yeah. Well, good to see we see the fight the same, man. That's all 12 fights going down UFC 293 this Saturday in Sydney. I think 10 of the 12 fights have a featured Australia, New Zealand talent or something there. So trying to showcase that talent this week. Uh, and, man, keep an eye on Twitter. The rest of our bets will be released before the fight time on Saturday, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.